Welcome back to our 2024 Lewisport Baptist Church Bible Reading Plan podcast. Today we'll be looking at uh, what I think is really one of the most beautiful chapters in, in all of Scripture, in Genesis uh, chapter 2. You know, uh, last time in chapter 1, we saw how God is just this this big, holy, transcendent God who speaks uh, creation into existence. It was powerful over all creation. But in chapter 2, we get kind of a, a different look, and it's really a, a great testament to the, the Hebrew manner of, of storytelling and, and just the, the way they transmit ideas. Because now in chapter 2, we see that God not only is big and, and transcendent, but that he's also near to his creation and desires intimacy uh, with them. So we begin looking at, at really the, the ending of, of God's creative work, right? God finished creating on the sixth day, but we see that his work also continued on into the seventh day because rest was part uh, of the work that he did. God, who was in, in no need of any more happiness or, or enjoyment or in need of anything, uh, rested as one satisfied by his work on that seventh day, not as one who was weary or tired from his work, but he rested and, and reflected on the goodness of his creation. Rest truly was part of the work. We often think of rest being what comes after the work, but rest is is really part of the work. We can't work well without also resting well, and God shows us that in his creative fashion. Uh, He makes that seventh day holy, and that shadows really the the perfect rest that we'll ultimately have uh, in Christ eternally, right? We we strive and work in this world, and because of the effects of sin in this world, we we do so often far from, from God and far from his design for us. We we fail often to realize that really what we ultimately desire is already given to us by him at our redemption, right? We have the perfect rest uh, that God had on that seventh day of creation. We can have that perfect rest in his redemption for us when we rest in him and not trusting in our own work or our own uh, efforts or, or our own goodness. We find that only in him. So God has rested from his uh, creative work, the rest being part of the work, and now He, uh, we get kind of a retelling of the, the third day and the sixth day of creation in, he, in, in the Hebrew manner of storytelling here in Genesis chapter 2, right? We see more detail really about how God speaks and breathes life into man, right? As God breathes the breath of life into Adam, he's formed this body out of dust, breathes life into him, and in doing so really imprints his image on the soul of Adam, right? God being the spiritual being, the spiritual uh, God has now imprinted this spiritual component into his created man, right? So we have a soul and we're made to exist eternally because God exists eternally, right? We're made these spiritual creatures because God is spiritual. So he's breathed this breath of life into Adam. He's created him in his image. And now we get the details of of what God is, is desiring for his created being for his image bearer, right? We get this picture of of the garden, right? But it says that God places man in Eden. And this is really one of the first times I've noticed this level of intentionality in the writing here. You know, I think often we just think that Adam was created in Eden, but really it says God places man in Eden, meaning that he was once outside of the Garden of Eden. He was once outside of this area that God has now placed him, meaning that the goodness that was there in Eden, the perfection of Eden that we see, Adam knew something besides that. So being placed there then, he was able to experience God's grace in this blessing that he had received. He recognized the goodness of Eden and knew that it came only from God, right? This excluded Adam from having any right to make any claim to it or any uh, thoughts that he might have earned this through his own work or anything like that. 
But then it was only uh, by the grace of God that he was able to be in this place, that he was able to, to work and live uh, in this Garden of Eden. He knew that it was only a grace of God. So we see the dis- discussion of the, the two trees there, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. These are just pictures of God's mercy to Adam and Eve, ultimately, right? That they have these things there to, to point to the truth uh, of who God is. That And they're not serving as means uh, of attaining his mercy. They're there by his own goodness to them, just as everything is, right? The river also symbolizes the kind of that everlasting love of God, right? The, the Maybe the water of life, even, it can be described as. This river flows into the garden, bringing life uh, to everything that is there. And ultimately, that's symbolized in, in, in Christ as well in the New Testament, right? Uh, when Christ discusses his his existence as living water, right? That anyone who drinks of that water shall never thirst again. Really, all of Eden ultimately pictures uh, what will come in the fullness of Christ. And Adam then is placed there to, to work and keep it, meaning that work is really part of God's good and perfect design for his image bearers, right? We're placed into this world uh, to have dominion over it, to work in it. And really that work is about extending God's glory throughout all of creation. That's what Adam was there to do, right? He was to name the animals, to have dominion over the animals, uh, to be fruitful and multiply, thereby filling all of God's creation with uh, with his glory, with his image bearers. That was the work that Adam was called to. He wasn't placed in Eden to live freely, but to be governed uh, by God's good design, right? That's what we see in verses 16 and 17. We see that that God has now shown Adam the goodness of his creation, and now he's showing Adam the, the, the governance of his creation, right? He gives these commands in verses 16 and 17 to show that while, yes, Adam does have dominion over creation, God still has dominion over him. Uh, as his creator, Adam still must follow uh, the creative design and the governance which God has placed over him as his creator. And the consequences of disobedience to that created order are death. And I often find myself wondering if if Adam truly felt the 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 weight of of the death that God is speaking of here. Obviously, death had never been something that he or any of creation had experienced to this point. So did he understand the the finality of death? And we'll look more into that when we look at Genesis chapter 3 in, in week 3 of our study. But uh, death are the, is the consequences of disobeying God's created order. And, and God warns Adam of that here, not to really serve as something to scare him or to, to, to anything like that, but he places these commands on Adam and ultimately on Eve as well and all of his created uh, image bearers for their goodness, not for uh, not to limit them or not to keep something from them, but these commands are there for their good. And now we turn our attention to really Adam having having something missing, missing right? God sees that Adam is not good for a man to be alone, uh, and now we get the picture of of God creating this helper for him, and ultimately we see how this. Uh, turns into the first marriage, right? And as we think about this marriage covenant, we talked last time in Genesis 1 about how uh, the marriage covenant relationship is, is a beautiful picture of God's desire to have covenant relationship with us. And as we reflect on marriage, we have to think about what marriage would be like if sin had never entered the world, right? If, if sin was not a thing, then we would see marriage as, as the sweetest harmony of God's creative work, right? Everything about the goodness of who God is and how he created man for covenant relationship with him is pictured in marriage. Adam in this moment recognized his own lacking, right? He knew something was missing as he lived and worked in the garden. And God recognized this and made Adam complete in this helper. Out of Adam, he took 
his rib, created this woman as his helper, and, and in doing so made this covenant relationship between the two of them. And if sin had never affected this marriage and every marriage since then, man and woman would now look to God with, with awe and, and worship at his providence over them. They would recognize his goodness and they would serve and, and love one another in this holy and, and friendly and, and peaceful uh, relationship. Matthew Henry, the, the Bible commenter, says that the, the woman was made out of a rib out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon him or trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. If sin had never come into this world, this would be the picture of marriage that we would see even today. And while sinfulness has has marred this institution of marriage, we see that in, in the culture today, what's true is that it can still not take away how it pictures God's mercy on his creation, right? This covenant of marriage still points to God's desire for his creation to be in a relationship with him. as And even in verse 24, we see a, a foreshadowing or a prefiguring of re, what Christ would come to do for us when it speaks of that man would leave his father and, and become one flesh with his wife. That's exactly what Christ does when he leaves his father in heaven, coming to this earth in flesh to come for his bride, that we might be one with him. What a beautiful picture this is not only of, of, of what marriage should be, but also of what God desires in his relationship with us, right? That he would send his son, Jesus, into this earth in flesh to leave the glory of, of heaven, to come for the bride that he so loves and so longs to be in relationship with. Church, that's what Genesis chapter 2 points us to, right? The goodness of God and the mercy of God and his desire for relationship with us and the links that he would go to to send his son into this world to make sure that relationship uh, is restored. And again, we'll look in Genesis 3 and in week 3 of our study at why that relationship needed restoration. But for now, as we reflect just on the creation uh, account and what God has done in his creative work, we see his goodness and mercy, especially on Adam and Eve in, in Genesis 2. And what that means for us is that that Christ ultimately loves us the same way and Christ ultimately desires relationship with us in the same way that Adam needed Eve to be his helper. Christ desires to be with us. I hope you're blessed by this this week. I hope you're encouraged by our time in Scripture together and we'll look forward to seeing and talking with you next time. God bless.